Welcome to the Later in Life Planning Show with Patrick Colley, brought to you by Keystone Elder Law, right here on News Radio WHP 580. Now, here's your host, Patrick Colley. Hello, everyone. I am Patrick Colley. I am the owner of Keystone Elder Law. We serve older adults and their families all over central Pennsylvania. At Keystone Elder Law, our mission is as cliche as it might sound, is to to be the shield that protects the middle class from the costs and the challenges of getting older. And we sincerely believe in being that shield. Uh, Some of what I'll talk about today is what we're shielding against. And I know a lot of you have tuned in because you've contacted the office with questions and, and even just giving me compliments. And I very much appreciate the feedback on the show so far. I started doing this show to bring greater attention to things that are just very likely to happen to you and to our family. And these are things that I see every day at the office. Getting older is complicated. And what I'm finding is just, you know, far too few people are ever thinking about the things that are likely to happen until they are in the middle of a crisis. And I'm talking about chronic health conditions. Uh, When you have a chronic health condition later in life, that's going to require a certain level of care. Those levels of care cost a lot of money. And if you or someone you know needs skilled nursing care, you're looking at a cost of about $13,000 a month. So that kind of cost is going to empty the accounts of just about anybody living in central Pennsylvania, except for maybe the wealthy few. So planning ahead with comprehensive estate planning that includes asset protection meant for the middle class is is not only a good way to keep money in your family, but it's also a way to save your family a lot of stress, a lot of worry, a lot of confusion. I'm I'm helping a number of families right now where they thought they were ready for taking care of a parent, for example, but they're searching high and low for essential documents. They're they're finding that the the finances of the parent were a little more complicated than they thought. You know, planning ahead and getting everything organized is a gift you give to your family. It's not only saving money, it's just making life easier for them. So if you missed previous episodes of this show, I want you to know you can find them anytime on whp580.com. There is a menu in the upper left of the website, and you can choose podcasts from that menu. And in the list of podcasts, you will find the Later in Life Planning Show if you want to listen on your phone through an app, you'll find us on the iHeartRadio app. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, just about any other place you, you can find uh, podcasts. So you can listen to previous episodes of this show. We're really just trying to get information out to people. This is like a foreign language that a lot of people would prefer never to learn. But it's necessary and it's something that, that is coming for most people. So in addition to this Later in Life planning show, I do a weekly online workshop. In one of the workshops, I go over middle class estate planning and asset protection. In the other one, I go over how will you pay for long-term care. So I take a little bit deeper dive into one of the biggest threats to the life savings of middle class families out there. But in that first one, you know, we're talking about in in middle class estate planning and asset protection, we're talking about your will, your power of attorney, your health care power of attorney, maybe an asset protection trust. But not just knowing that these are planning tools, because a lot of you have heard of a will or a power of attorney. It's really important to know 
how these tools are used to build that shield that protects your family from predictable threats in the later years of life. And in that workshop, we talk a little bit about taxes. We talk about the cost of long-term care. So if this topic is something you feel you need to learn more about, I, I really strongly recommend that you attend a free workshop and you ask questions. I answer questions. It usually runs under an hour because I'm respectful of uh, attention spans and the need to uh, take a break, but I will stay on as long as necessary. I always do uh, a- answering people's questions. So you can register for a workshop by going to keystoneelderlaw.com. That's keystoneelderlaw.com. Click on the workshops tab and you'll see that there's, uh, there's a weekly uh, offering. It's one or the other each week and we update the date usually Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. So then you can register and gather information from the comfort of your own home. So a lot of people who come into our office at Keystone Elder Law are highly motivated because they've experienced long-term care in their family, usually a parent. They know that challenge of identifying the right level of care. They know the emotions of, you know, we told mom or dad we'd never place them somewhere outside of their home, but but it's the, their plan for care in the home is falling apart. It's just not working. They certainly know how quickly a bank account can get drained by long-term care. So the people who come in who have been through this, they are eager to start planning for themselves to protect assets, to shield themselves from this predictable threat of long-term care. For those of you who have never experienced the need for long-term care in your family, well, all I can tell you is the probability of needing long-term care in your lifetime is pretty high. According to all the studies that I've seen, two-thirds of us, at least, will need some higher level of care in our retirement years. Two-thirds. That's pretty high. So when you think about all the reasons that people get insurance, you know, homeowner's insurance in case your house burns down or car insurance in case you get into an accident, the likelihood of needing to submit a claim on those insurance policies is pretty low compared to the likelihood of needing long-term care, and yet few people do anything to predict them, to to plan against this this predictable threat. They don't, and I'm not just talking about long-term care insurance, although that's something I'll get into today. I'm talking about just taking some legal planning steps to to protect assets and be ready because really the cost, I mean, when you think about your house burning down, that's about the same cost of long-term care for many families. And yet there's just no planning whatsoever. According to the Alzheimer's Association, one out of every three people you see today will develop some form of dementia in their lifetime. And dementia is a progressive chronic condition. That means it's going to get worse over time. It will take your mind, and then it will take your life. And there is no cure. So as it progresses, the level of care is going to go up uh, for most people. I've seen it work with care in the home, uh, but but, especially if there's wandering, if there's uh, combativeness, uh, it's a 24-hour job. And, And unless you have people there all the time, some sort of higher level of care is going to be necessary. So in previous episodes, I talked about some of the things that we just sort of take for granted. The ability to access our bank accounts or retirement accounts, signing agreements for services, making our own decisions for medical care. 
when none of this is possible for you because of a chronic progressive condition, who is going to do these things for you? That's a pretty fundamental, important thing to think about. If you have a well-written power of attorney that allows for asset protection, you are way ahead of most people. And even if you never need long-term care, you have someone authorized legally to access bank accounts, move money around, do what needs to be done for you, sign agreements for care, that sort of thing. If you have a will that contains asset protection trusts, or if you set up an asset protection trust and place your house or other assets into it, you are way ahead of most people in being prepared for the predictable threat of long-term care. And all of this, of course, is what we do for our clients at Keystone Elder Law. We, we want to get way out in front of these predictable threats of long-term care, to some extent taxes, and we want to help people plan ahead for it. And, of course, we're there when the decline in health happens and we get people uh, into the right level of care and hopefully – uh, find the right way to pay for it. Very often that's going to involve Medicaid, might, maybe it's private pay, maybe it's insurance, but that's what I'm going to talk about today. So before we can get into how do you pay for long-term care, what exactly does this threat look like? You need to understand the levels of care. So what does care look like? What is it? How much does it cost? How do you pay for it? It all starts with the levels of care in terms that you've heard, like the old folks home or the retirement home. These, you know, I even use the phrase nursing home, but none of these are all that clear, and you have to be clear about the terminology. The lowest level of care I'll call independent living. So maybe you're in your ho- your house, you're, you're at home, uh, you have care coming into the home. This is the lowest level of care, and sometimes in a continuing care retirement community where they have all three levels of care, they call it independent living at the lowest level. The next level up is assisted living or sometimes called actually more often called personal care in Pennsylvania. These are licensing terms in Pennsylvania under the law. For your purposes today, it does there's not really a practical difference that you need to understand, but assisted living or a personal care community are the second level of care. The highest level of care is skilled nursing. That is uh, where multiple uh, aspects of your, your daily life, getting out of bed, getting dressed, getting bathed, remembering to take medication and eat, uh, all of these or many of these are compromised. So these are the levels of care. When we go to a break, uh, we'll come back and talk about how much do they cost? How do you pay for those levels of care, independent living, assisted living or personal care, or skilled nursing facility? You are listening to the Later in Life Planning Show with Patrick Cawley on News Radio WHP 580. Now, more of the Later in Life Planning Show here on News Radio WHP 580. All right, we are back with the Later in Life Planning Show. I'm Patrick Cawley with Keystone Elder Law. Before the break, I was talking about the levels of care that someone might need in the later years of life. And I I identified three levels, the independent living level, the assisted living or personal care level, and the skilled nursing level. So let's talk a little bit about how much is that going to cost? Because, you know, as you sort of work backwards from that, you're thinking about your financial advisor, you're thinking about hopefully legal planning to, to protect assets and to have some sort of seamless transition if you become incapacitated. So first level, the independent living level, the cost is going to vary. It, it's most often a private pay 
uh, level of care where you're paying a uh, caregivers from a home care agency to come in. They, it, right about now, they they cost about twenty five, maybe thirty dollars an hour per caregiver, and how much that's going to add up to be could be a lot or it could be a little. It just depends on how much extra help you need. It might depend on factors like whether you have family close by or friends uh, from the community who are supporting you and the, the caregivers from the agency are just supplementing those efforts. So there's a cost one way or the other. It's just a matter of how much of it are you going to bear uh, by paying for it. And we'll get into more more into the, how you pay for it in a moment. But uh, the cost will vary, but probably about 25 to $30 an hour at the lowest level. Assisted living or personal care, this is where you're living in a community. Uh, maybe you're, you're generally physically healthy, but you have dementia, or maybe your, your physical mobility is limited, uh, but you're cognitively sharp. But uh, you need a little bit of assistance. Being at home is not safe. Maybe you are a fall risk. With dementia, unfortunately, wandering away and not knowing where you are can be a problem. Uh, but at this level, we're looking at five to $8,000 a month. And there are uh, personal care communities in this area that are fantastic. And I, I hope to have some guests uh, in a future episode uh, somewhat soon uh, from one that specializes in memory care to talk about all the thought that goes into designing a, a community that really protects the dignity and um, safety of, of a person who needs memory care, but five to $8,000 at that level. Skilled care in Pennsylvania, on average, costs about $13,000 a month, and that's, that's pretty typical. Uh, this is where you need skilled professionals. You need licensed nurses or, or physical therapists or occupational therapists. You need somebody throughout the day to make sure that you can get out of bed and get dressed and get bathed and make sure you're taking medication and eating and so forth. So, when you hear about these costs, one of the first things you might be thinking is, well, what about Medicare? Isn't that the whole point of signing up for Medicare? I've heard all these ads about Medicare options. I got signed up on time. I, I look at the annual enrollment. I make sure I'm in the right plan. Or maybe you're thinking, well, I have really good health insurance. In a word, this is not going to help you. Medicare or your health insurance is for acute care. That's for Going to the doctor's office, that's for going to the to the uh, emergency room or a hospital, maybe even for a surgical procedure. It's that acute care. But what I've been describing is this risk that a very large percentage of the population has of needing long-term nursing care. And Medicare is just not set up at, to be your, your payment solution there. So, you know, I've touched on this before, but think about the difference between your neighbor who has heart disease and, you know, your loved one who has dementia. This is the difference between acute and long-term nursing care. So the person with heart disease might have to go in for a stent. They might have to go into repeated doctor's visits to monitor how they're doing. Uh, that's all going to be paid for by Medicare. And, and they don't care how much money you have. They don't care if you have a vacation home. They're just going to cover the bill. The dementia patient will eventually most likely need long-term nursing care, and Medicare does not pay for that. I'll, I'll tell you the very limited role that Medicare might play in a long-term nursing care situation. So, number one, if you need home health as opposed to home care where caregivers are just helping you through your day, home health would be the nurse or the physical therapist, the licensed professional who comes to your home. 
that would be for limited hours, not the kind of long-term or many hours a day care that someone with dementia might need. Uh, Medicare might pay for that. Medicare might pay for durable medical equipment. So if you need a hospital bed in your home so that, that you can have care provided at, you know, in your home and stay uh, independent that way, uh, Medicare might pay for that kind of equipment. But once we get into long-term nursing care, um, the only way that Medicare is going to play any role, and you'll hear a lot of ifs and mights here, but if, if you are admitted to the hospital for at least three days, and I, and I have to put some emphasis on admission because you can be held overnight in the hospital for observation, but you're not admitted. The Medicaid rulebook says you have to be admitted as silly as that distinction might be, that's important. And the, the hospital has to give you a piece of paper that tells you the status. Are you under observation or are you admitted? And this is a, a way you can advocate for your family member and, and push for admission status so that if, then, when the doctor says, we've done all we can for acute care, you you can't stay here anymore, but you can't go home. You need skilled rehab, maybe after a broken hip or from a fall, or uh, there's memory care after a stroke, occupational therapy after a stroke, anything like that, where you have to leave the hospital after being there for at least three days. If you were admitted, Medicare will pay up to 20 days with no copay and then up to 100 days with a copay. Still a very short period of time. And I emphasize up to because they might cut you off after two weeks. You know, they, it, it, there's no guarantee you're going to get 20 days, much less 100 days of Medicare. It would be nice if you do, but because um, that pays for an awful lot of care. But uh, that's going to have a lot to do with how you're doing in your skilled rehab. What happens after they cut you off? <laughs> a big wake-up call, because then you go for, uh, from having everything paid for to paying full freight, $13,000 a month. That's that's that is a that's a slap in the face, and you then then you realize, in addition to your concerns about your loved one, now you have sticker shock, and you're worrying about the family running out of money and so forth. So, if you're the one unlucky person out of three with dementia, or one of the six or seven out of ten who has some disabling condition with a need for supportive nursing care, Medicare is not going to be uh, the source of payment for your care. So what are the other ways that you're going to pay for long-term care? I'll go through them, and let me just emphasize, it's usually a combination of these. It's not just one at any given time, usually. But here are basically the four ways, and it's really three ways for most people. There's private pay, there's veterans benefits, there's long-term care insurance, and there's Medicaid. So... Medicare is not on that list. It's private pay, veterans benefits, long-term care insurance, or Medicaid. So I'll talk a little bit about some of these uh, before I go into greater detail. Private pay is pretty simple. Get out your checkbook. You're going to be paying $13,000 a month or five dollars to $8,000 a month at the middle level of care. That, that, that's pretty straightforward. Veterans benefits, I'm not going to go into great detail during this episode. It might it might require a, a separate episode just on veterans benefits, but I know there are a lot of veterans in central Pennsylvania, 
but this applies to a, a small subset of those veterans. In order to have what's called the aid and attendance benefit, which is part of your pension benefit as a, as a veteran, here are some of the basic requirements. You had to be active duty for at least 90 days. At least one of those days had to be during a period that Congress decided is a wartime period. And then once you meet those, and it doesn't matter where you were stationed, if you were in combat, if you were stateside, it doesn't make a difference. Um, And then how much it pays depends on how much money you have. So the benefit goes down the more income and resources you have. So it can really help veterans benefits at lower levels of care where other people are private paying uh, veterans benefits can really take the punch uh, out of out of that private pay requirement, but it's not going to pay for the whole cost. Just something to know about veterans benefits. Long-term care insurance and Medicaid are the other two, and I'll tell you real quickly about long-term care insurance. Uh, very few people have it, in my opinion, or if, or in my experience. And if they had it, they they stop paying the premiums because every year they get that dreaded letter that the premium is going to go up. And uh, that's eating into their fixed budget in retirement, so they just let it lapse. So very few people have it. Um, The history of it is back in the 80s and 90s, they were handing out these standalone long-term care insurance policies that had no caps on it. It was going to cover everything. But over time, most of the carriers got out of the business because so many more people than they expected were, uh, were filing claims. And so... What you have today is either a standalone long-term care policy or a hybrid policy. And if the hybrid policy is a life insurance policy that has a long-term care rider. So if you pass away without ever needing long-term care, there's a death benefit for your family. If you do need long-term care, the rider advances that money so that you get the care you need while you're still alive. So those those are much more common these days. And, and if you ever needed a recommendation for someone who's in the business, I can send you to someone who can talk about that. I'll come back and talk about the rest of long-term care insurance and Medicaid in a second. You are listening to the Later in Life Planning Show on News Radio WHP 580. Welcome back to the Later in Life Planning Show on News Radio WHP 580. Here's Patrick Colley. Okay, Patrick Cauley with Keystone Elder Law. We're back with the Later in Life Planning Show. Uh, Before the break, I was talking about everything from the levels of care that happen in the later years of life, the way that you pay for those care, for that level of care, how much it costs. And and I was getting into private pay and veterans benefits. I talked a little bit about long-term care insurance. The only other note I wanted to make about long-term care insurance is, is if you have a policy or if you're considering a policy when you speak with a professional who, who sells insurance, here's some of the key factors you want to look at. Number one, what is the elimination period? That's the period of time from you realize you need some, some help to pay for care, so you call the insurance company or file a claim. That's day one. How many days do you have to go before the policy starts paying for your care? For some people, with especially with older policies, the elimination period is zero days, so they start paying right away. Other people, especially if they got the policy as sort of a perk of their employment, uh, the elimination period might be 100 or, or 180 days, and that's that's a long period of time you're going to be paying out of pocket for what might be expensive care. So that's one factor to consider. The next one is the daily rate. How much are they going to pay on any given day? So if you need caregivers in your home uh, at 25 to 30 
$30 an hour. How many hours are they going to pay for? And it'll usually be a dollar amount, but you can do the math and figure out how much is it actually going to help. Uh, when you get to the highest level of care, skilled nursing, I, I have never seen a, a long-term care policy that would pay, you know, 13000 a month. It's the the daily rate in Pennsylvania is going to be over four $400, and, and most policies just don't pay that much but it'll help, obviously, and it opens up some some flexibility in, in the kind of planning that we do for people. And the last uh, factor you want to look at for your long-term care policy is what's the total coverage? Because there will come a time with most policies out there where they say after a number of months or years or a certain dollar amount, they're done. They're, they're done paying. And then you're, you're back to the other ways of, of paying for care that I mentioned so, and I, I also referred to that dreaded letter about the premium increasing. Every time that happens, people come into my office and, and the letter is, you know, as required by law, they, they can't just say we're, we're jacking up the premium. They, they're saying that's what we're doing, but you have other options. And then they give you options like, well, you can extend the elimination period. You can decrease the daily rate. You can decrease the total coverage, those factors I just went through. Or you can just say, look, I'm done paying the premiums and whatever lump sum I've paid in, that'll be what I draw on when I need care. But I'm done paying these premiums. And, you know, none of these are great options because, you know, the the shorter, the, or I'm sorry, the longer the elimination period, the lower the daily rate, the lower the total coverage, you're just paying more out of pocket. So either pay the insurance company or pay the care provider, but, you know, you're just paying more out of pocket. In any event, I've been through pay, private payment. I've been through uh, veterans benefits, long-term care insurance. So I'm going to get to the final one, which is really the safety net for the middle class in Pennsylvania, and that's Medicaid. Um, I've touched on this in previous episodes where you know some people hear Medicaid and they say, well, isn't that the program for people who just the less fortunate folks who don't have two nickels to rub together? That's That's how they go to the doctor. That's how they you know, pay for a hospital stay. And that's true. Most of Medicaid is just that. But I'm talking about Medicaid for the middle class where you're allowed to have a house worth over $600,000. You're allowed to have a car. If you're married, your spouse can have over, well, can have really any amount at all in uh, in an IRA and, and you can still get eligible for this. But because the the reality is that you know, a family can go into poverty because of long-term care. This is a, is a, a safety net that we've all paid into with deductions from our, our paychecks. Um, it's there to to keep people from plunging into to poverty and then having a need for other resources. So Medicaid really plays a big role in long-term care planning. And this is a huge part of this shield that we build to protect middle-class families from the costs and the challenges of getting older. So Medicaid is available at the lowest level of care that I mentioned. If you're if you're living at home, there are two programs I will note. One is called the Life Program. The other is called the Aging Waiver Program. These are just the two that come up a lot. The Life Program is excellent. So, you know, for example, for Dauphin County, there's there's a Life Center. For Cumberland County, Franklin County, Perry County, they share a Life Center. And Life will go out and pick you up safely transport you to the life center it's your one-stop shopping for all of your medical needs your doctor your vision hearing etc 
Uh, there's a social aspect to it, so you're not isolated. It gives a family member at home who maybe is taking care of you a break so they can go to the grocery store. They can you know, do what they need to do for their own personal life. Uh, and then you're safely returned to home at the end of the day. But you have to get eligible for Medicaid to do that. Um, to, to to participate in the life program, the aging waiver program is there. You have to go through Medicaid eligibility, and then they pay for caregivers to come into your home. So one thing I want to emphasize: most often, Medicaid is paying at the highest level of care, skilled nursing. So you don't have to pay thirteen thousand a month and run out of all of your life savings, especially if you have a spouse at home uh, who is you know needs money to live on. Um, you know, especially if you have a child who's disabled and, and needs your support, um, Medicaid will come to the rescue for skilled care. Unlike states like Florida or California, Pennsylvania does not pay Medicaid for assisted living or personal care, the middle level. So this sets up some choices people have to make. Do I stay at home? Do I go to a personal care home? Do I go to skilled nursing just because Medicaid will pay for it. But these are the kinds of decisions that we go through with, with families, and we don't rush to put people on Medicaid if, there's a, if that's not consistent with the resources they have, with their desires on, on the setting in which they are getting care. We look at all the factors, and, and Medicaid might play a role in it, or maybe it won't, but, but we'll, we'll guide you at Keystone Elder Law through these complicated decisions about the levels of care, which one is right for your loved one, and how do you get eligible for Medicaid, which is way more complicated than most people expect um, if that's the way that we're going to pay for long-term care. So as I get into some how someone actually becomes eligible for Medicaid, uh, one thing will become clear to you. It's, it's that planning ahead makes it go a lot more smoothly. Um, you know, if, when you're healthy and you have a good power of attorney because you, you thought about this and you started doing some legal planning, if you have an asset protection trust, that just makes all of Medicaid planning and paying for long-term care and keeping money in your family so that the, the, your family's not going broke because someone got sick, it just goes so much easier. Um, unfortunately, when someone comes in in a crisis, we're stuck with whatever planning they did ahead of time. And hopefully they were a previous client of ours because then we know it's going to go a lot more smoothly. But I hope that you're thinking as we go through eligibility, how you can start taking steps now while you're healthy to make it go more smoothly. You might be thinking about, hey, maybe I should do some financial planning. And there are a lot of great financial advisors in this area because you know at the lowest level of care you're you're probably paying privately you might you're probably paying privately at the personal care or assisted living level maybe building up a nest egg to pay for that is a good idea so i i just can't emphasize enough do legal planning now do financial planning now so that you're ready uh, for all of these levels of care and and the more you are ready for it uh, the more likely we can we can honor your your dignity and independence, keep you at home if that's what you want and if that's what's safe. Uh, but when you haven't done any planning, um, you, there's almost a necessity to put our thumb on the side of the scale towards Medicaid because that's going to pay for skilled care. Another thing about Medicaid eligibility, this is not a do-it-yourself project, I'm sorry to say. Uh, I try to give a lot of free information on the Later in Life Planning Show, on our weekly webinars, uh, our weekly online workshops, which you can find at keystoneelderlaw.com. We have 
years and years worth of articles at keystoneelderlaw.com. We're we're all we're putting all kinds of information out there. But taking action on Medicaid eligibility is not something that we intend for you to to do after getting this information. There it's pretty it's a minefield and it's pretty easy to make mistakes that can't be fixed. Um, we do our best to unravel some of the mistakes people make, the do-it-yourself planning, the adding people to properties and bank accounts. We, we try to undo that, but not everything can be fixed. And if even if it can be fixed, there's going to be a delay. You might, if you try to apply for Medicaid yourself and it's denied, what's the cost of that mistake? $13,000 a month. So my recommendation is don't try this yourself. Of course, what I'm offering here and what I offer on the uh, online workshops through KeystoneElderLaw.com is not legal advice. Um, Every family's resources, your 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 circumstances, you know who who's available to be a supportive caregiver. It's going to be different for everybody, and no lawyer worth their salt would give legal advice without meeting with you and discussing your circumstances and and understanding what your goals are. So we'll get into Medicaid eligibility when I come back from a break. You are listening to the Later in Life Planning Show with Patrick Cauley on News Radio WHP 580. It's the Later in Life Planning Show here on News Radio WHP 580. Now your host, Patrick Cauley. Welcome back. We've been talking about long term care, the levels of care how much it costs, how are you going to pay for it. This is a very predictable and specific threat that is especially uh, damaging to the middle class, not only financially, but the level of stress and emotions that it imposes on families. And at Keystone Elder Law, this is what we try to get way out in front of with good estate planning, with asset protection built in, and then we guide people through the situation where someone needs a higher level of care. We find the right level of care. We find the best way to pay for it in a way that reflects that family's circumstances. So before the break, I, I started getting into Medicaid eligibility just because it looms so large over long-term care planning. Medicaid is the safety net for the middle class, uh, preparing especially for the highest level of care, skilled nursing care so that you don't have to pay $13,000 a month just because somebody got sick. So I want to give you as quickly as I can and probably at a very high level and and without a whole lot of details, a look at what Medicaid eligibility looks like. Because once you get eligible, you could have skilled nursing care paid for entirely. You can have the, the LIFE program or the Aging Waiver program uh, for care at the home level, the independent level. So what does Medicaid look like or getting eligible look like? Well, they look at three three factors, three categories, just to, to get started and put this in, a, in an easy-to-understand way. You can think of those three categories as your income, your resources, which is you know the money you've saved, the property you own, income, resources. And the final factor is gifting, and I could probably do a whole show just about gifting, and maybe I will in a future episode. That's how you get eligible for Medicaid. And then once you get eligible, the care that you receive is going to be paid for by Medicaid for as long as you need it. Unlike Medicare, we don't, you know, well, with Medicare, we don't look at income resources or gifting. They just pay the bill. But also, unlike Medicare, 
there is something called estate recovery. So when you work with Keystone Elder Law, we're not just looking at getting you eligible for Medicaid. We're looking out for preserving assets for the end of the day. When the Medicaid recipient passes away, estate recovery means that the Pennsylvania Department of Human Services, by law, is required to go after whatever's left in your estate to get paid back for all of that care. And that might be hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, for example, you know, people talk about, well, if I go to the nursing home, I'm going to lose my, the nursing home's going to take my house. I'm going to lose my house. Well, the nursing home's not taking your house. The government might take your house. They're going to say sell it and give the proceeds to us to pay us back for all that care. That money's not going to your kids. So, that's that's the way it works. And then working backwards from that, you can think of legal planning that you can do to protect your home, to protect your money, uh, to to keep it for your family, because this is what the law of Medicaid allows. So the key planning tools to get eligible, the income, the resources, uh, the gifting that we're going to look at, and then also protecting your family from estate recovery, it's going to, going to involve a power of attorney, a financial power of attorney ideally one with a lot of asset protection built into it. We might also use an asset protection trust if we're planning way in advance of a decline in health. And hopefully you'll see why as I get into this. So let's talk about that first category, income. The general rule with Medicaid is that the Medicaid applicant's income goes to the skilled nursing facility. If you're getting a the LIFE program or the Aging Waiver program at home, they actually impose a cap on how much income you can have and still be eligible. There is no such cap when you're going to a nursing facility. It's just, you know, whatever your income is goes to the facility and Medicaid pays the rest of the bill. So until your your income is 13000 a month, there's still room for Medicaid to pay something. So... All of the income of the, uh, whether it's Social Security, pension, whatever it might be, of the Medicaid applicant is going to the nursing facility. If we're talking about a married couple, what happens if the spouse at home who, you know, maybe was out of the workforce, raising children, whatever the case may be, and has lower income, lower Social Security, maybe no pension? Well, we can divert some of the income of the Medicaid applicant spouse over to the spouse at home so that they're not in poverty. And there are rules set by Congress on this. The general rule being we don't want that spouse at home becoming impoverished just because their spouse got sick. So that's just to allay some concerns there. What happens if you if you suddenly lose your spouse's income? Can you still pay the bills? Second category is your resources. And this is where the so-called Medicaid spend down comes in. And you first have to understand what are we spending down, and then I'll tell you what that means. So if, if you're a single person, the rules are different than, than they are if you're married. But if you're a single person, think of a treasure chest. Everything you own is going into that treasure chest except for your car. You're allowed to have one car, and even if you can't drive anymore, you're allowed to have one car titled in your name. And, um, and your primary residence, you're allowed to have a house even if you're on Medicaid. So those stay out for purposes of eligibility. Still a concern for estate recovery if you pass away with a house in your name. Uh, that's why an asset protection trust is, is a, an awfully good idea because it will be sold and the money will go to the government as part of estate recovery. Married couple... Uh, a married couple, everything goes in, whether it's you know a bank account in husband's name or wife's name, doesn't matter. It all goes into the treasure chest except for that primary residence, one car, and the healthy spouse at home, their 
retirement account, their IRA, their 401k. So that could have a million dollars in it, but that, that stays out of consideration. So everything else is a, is a countable asset that Medicaid is looking at, and you're not eligible until you get down to about a couple thousand dollars, just to keep it simple. So how do we get down from everything that you own? That might be a couple hundred thousand. It might be eight or nine hundred thousand. It might be a million. How do you get down to a couple thousand dollars? That's why this is not a do-it-yourself project. And I can take you through that if this is your circumstances. We can uh, we can get do develop a spend down plan, but the the if it's if it's a married couple the you know the two thousand dollars is for the person going to the nursing home the the other spouse is allowed to have right now in twenty twenty three one hundred and forty eight thousand six hundred and twenty dollars so however much is in that treasure chest when we put everything you own in there except for the healthy spouse's IRA the house one car. They have, they're allowed to have 148000 The other spouse has a couple thousand. And the spend-down plan is basically, you know, there's a couple ways to do a spend-down plan. You could just write checks to the nursing home until all the money's gone. But now you've what, – what good does that do to the spouse at home in terms of having money to live on? So we look for ways to invest in the family – Pay bills, whether it's credit card debt, maybe the mortgage. If uh, take care of prepaid funeral arrangements, if those haven't been done, we will all need that one day. But this is how, this is how a spend down plan works. You're, you're investing in the family. Maybe you're investing in the home where the healthy spouse will live. And ultimately, if we still can't cover the distance all the way down to one hundred and forty eight thousand and two thousand, well, there's a kind of annuity that we would use where we get all the money out of this second category. And for the married uh, couple, the the annuity turns into an income stream where the married spouse keeps whatever income they have. It's only the, the spouse going to the nursing home who has all their income going to the facility. So we turn assets that you're not allowed to have into an income stream for the spouse at home. As you can see, this is getting a little complicated. We have to put everything under the microscope and then we have to make it be reduced so that you get eligible for Medicaid. So I've gone through some of the options for spending it down, as they say, but it's all about investing in the family, making life easier for the spouse at home so they don't worry about running out of money, going broke, going bankrupt. That's the law. They thought about this. They don't want you at home worrying about this. You worry about going to visit your loved one, but don't worry about running out of money. But along the way, how are we moving all of these assets out of the treasure chest and into the person at home. How are we doing this annuity? How are we selling real estate if we have to do that? That's where your power of attorney comes in. And if if I see a family in a crisis and they don't have a power of attorney, that's not good news. Then we have to go to court for guardianship. That's going to take time, and time is expensive at $13,000 a month. So working back from this complicated process, having a good power of attorney— once is is incredibly important and then once we use the power of attorney to move everything out of that person's name having a will that has trust built into it to prevent the healthy spouse from dying leaving money to somebody on medicaid having an asset protection trust to avoid that estate recovery at the end of your life if this sounds like complicated you've never heard of this this happens every day to people all over central pennsylvania This is what I want to help people prepare for. This is a predictable, specific threat. Please learn more about all of these ways to pay for long-term care and protect your family. 
Go to KeystoneElderLaw.com. Click on the Workshops tab. Attend one of my online workshops. Get ready for this. Build a shield to protect yourself from the costs and challenges of the later years of life. Thank you for listening to this show to give you a glimpse into the later years and the cost of care. I'm Patrick Cauley with Keystone Elder Law.